Many years ago, when I was finishing up my freshman year of college, I remember sitting down with a counselor and talking through what my choices were for the next year as far as the classes that I was going to be taking. And I kind of had a few different options as far as what track I wanted to pursue, and it would make a huge difference in what my year was like the following year. And as I thought about it and thought about my future and thought about the further education that I wanted to get and things like that, I made the decision to take this class that is like, it's called Koine Greek. It's basically biblical Greek, and it is a tough class. So I remember uh, end of the freshman year, the year's been super fun, and I'm thinking about this class, and I'm just like, man, do I really want to do this? But I signed up for it, and that night, I was actually talking to one of my, one of my friends, and he looks at me, he's like, oh man, yeah. He's like, I signed up for Greek today. And I was like, oh, so did I. <laughs> I was like, man, I, I did too. And we just kind of looked at each other like, well, at least we'll be in it together, right? Uh, if we're going to face something that's going to be really difficult and really challenging, at least we'll be in it together. And the next year, we come back to school after the summer between our freshman and sophomore years, and we come back to school. We're there for the first day of class, and we walk in to this class, and it was a five-unit class. So it was every day of the week, Monday through Friday. And we walk in, and you know, the first day of class is usually super easy. They go over the syllabus and do all that. And the professor, we sit down, and he says, he introduces himself, and he says, the first thing that I want you to know about this is that this is without a doubt positively the hardest class in the undergraduate program at this school. It's like, so if that doesn't sound interesting to you, then it's okay to transfer out of the class. It's okay to go talk to your counselor and try to figure out what other elective that you want to take. And he goes on to describe what's going to happen over the next year, because it was, it was two semesters of a, uh, five units each semester, Monday through Friday, for this entire upcoming year of school. And he goes on to describe this upcoming gauntlet of, of translations and studying and tests and all this different stuff, and that, that by the time we get to the second semester, it, we'll have our feet under us a little bit as far as learning the language, and now it's going to get really challenging at that point because we're going to have a quiz where we're going to have to memorize new words every single day, Monday through Friday, in addition to doing our homework and doing a translation and, and doing the work of that. So it was like, man, this is going to be brutal. I remember looking at my friend, and we just kind of looked at each other. We're like, all right, well, here we go. Have you ever entered into a situation where you knew something was going to be challenging, but at least someone gave you a warning? You know, I think we've all entered into situations where we found ourselves like being incredibly challenged or incredibly stretched, and we've thought, man, I wish someone would have said something at the outset. I wish someone had given me a warning at the beginning of this. Before I started, I would have known what I was in for, and at least I could have braced myself for what was coming. I could have been prepared. Well, that professor was fair, and we find ourselves in a place in our series called Unshakable, where we're coming down the stretch in the Sermon on the Mount. We're in the middle of Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be in verses 13 and 14 today. And what, what's been happening is that Jesus has been teaching us all about what living in his kingdom looks like. He's been showing us from Matthew chapter 5 all the way through 6 and the beginning of 7 what it looks like to live under his kingdom, under his authority. And it's this, it's this incredible teaching that is, is, is one of the greatest, is, it's the longest block of teaching that we have from Jesus. 
And he gives this warning in Matthew chapters 13 and 14. And he goes on, he actually gives three warnings in a row that we're going to be looking at over these next few weeks. And so before we jump into the warning that Jesus is going to give us, I'd like to invite you to pray with me as we, as we dig in to Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14 together. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this invitation that you give us in, in, in this Sermon on the Mount, this, this beautiful picture that you paint of what life looks like in your kingdom. And Lord, I thank you for your honesty with us. I thank you that you didn't pull punches that you didn't just make it sound like everything was going to be easy and it was going to be great. You didn't pull a bait and switch, but you, you, you laid out for us what it's going to look like and that it's going to be a challenge. Lord, I pray as, we, as pray as we enter into this passage today that you would just strengthen our hearts, that, that you would encourage us in the midst of, of, of the challenges that we face and that we will face as we walk in faith. Lord, also that we would be encouraged by your words and your presence and your promise to be with us. Pray these things in your name. Amen. So in Matthew chapters, in Matthew chapter 7, in verses 13 and 14, here's, here's what Jesus has to say um, after coming out of, of this long block of teaching where he describes and paints this picture of what living under his authority and his kingdom looks like for his followers. He gives these warnings in case, in case you get caught up and you think like, oh yeah, that'll be great. It's just going to be easy and fun and wonderful. And I'm never going to come up against any challenge whatsoever. He's like, well, like, here's the deal. I'm just going to give you these, these warnings just so you know what's coming. He says this in verses 13 and 14. He says, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few so jesus he, he he's wrapping up his teaching and he says listen there's two destinations that he describes here and it's kind of interesting because he breaks these things down into kind of three components, right? He talks about these two different gates. He talks about these two different ways. And he talks about these two different destinations. And I think a lot of times when we read the words of Jesus, we get this thing caught up in our head where we just get focused on the eternal. And, and if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of times when we think about our faith life, that's, that's how we're oriented. We're, we're not as oriented necessarily to the here and the now. We're more oriented towards the future. And then a lot of times we think, well, yeah, I said yes to Jesus. So now I'm going to go to heaven. Everything's good eternally, but I'm going to go ahead and live my life now. Well, here's the reality that Jesus is painting the picture of for us. He's saying, listen, our, our choices, they have consequences. And those consequences aren't just the eternal ones, but they're the immediate ones as well. Every one of our choices has immediate and eternal consequences. And Jesus is giving us this warning by, pay, by, by sharing us this, by painting this picture of people walking through two different types of gates. It's interesting, some different commentators I was reading about, they were sharing about some of the different dynamics of, of what gates looked like in cities that were built into city walls that were, were the defenses for the cities in Jesus' day. And 
you know, there would be the main gates for the city. And those main gates, um, they'd, be, they'd be well guarded, but they would be big. And people, tons of people could walk through. Most of the commerce and the, the, the things of people coming and going in and out of the city would be going through these, these large and open gates. And then there would be some other gates that were a little bit smaller or much smaller. In fact, there would even be gates where uh, there, there'd be different gates in certain situations where someone wouldn't be able to necessarily ride their horse through. They would have to get down off their horse and walk through the gate. And then there'd even be gates where people would have to crouch down and bow themselves down to go through the gate so that they could make it into the city. And Jesus paints these two pictures of these two types of gates, the one being wide and the other one being narrow. And he says, listen, these are very different choices. These are very, very different things. And, and, and he paints this picture saying, listen, when, when you engage in life, when you engage in, in life and, and you're living your life, the gate that you choose to go through is going to make all the difference in the world because it's the first step towards your destination. And so going back to that immediate and eternal, that, that, that dynamic, the, the eternal dynamic is, is really simple. It's this, is that unless, unless we look at Jesus and our response for what he's done for us in coming to lay his life down for us, when we look at him, unless our response is to humble ourselves and to bow down before him and recognize him for who he is, the king, and submit our lives and, and live under his reign and his authority, unless we're willing to do that, we cannot enter in to the narrow gate. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says really simply, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. He says, listen, the only way to eternal life, the only way to having a restored relationship with your Father in heaven, the one who you were created to live in relationship with, the relationship and the life that you were designed and created to live in and live out. So the only way to enter back into that relationship, to be enlivened again, is through me, Jesus tells us. And so that, that, that eternal perspective is, is really simple, is that the gate is narrow. There's one gate, and it is Jesus Christ for us to enter into a reconciled and restored relationship with our Father in heaven and for us to experience the abundant life that we were created to live, for us to be able to live in the purpose and the plan that we were created to live in. And it's this amazing invitation that Jesus gives us that is simply, I am the narrow gate. He says, that gate is narrow. He says, on the other side of that, on the other side of that, there's this wide gate that many people are going to go through. Because here's the reality, you know, it's, it's like you know, we, we look at passages like this and for a lot of people, they can raise red flags where it's like, well, if God loves everybody, why would he make it so hard for people to go through the gate? Why would he make the wide gate the easier one and the narrow gate the harder one? But here's the reality is that God's love to us is revealed 
in his son, Jesus Christ, and what he was willing to do for us is that he laid himself down for us. He leveraged everything that he had for our benefit. He selflessly leveraged everything that he had for our benefit by even laying down his own life for us to take the penalty for our sin. And when we look at him, the bottom line reality for our eternal future is this is that when we see who Jesus is and we see what he's done for us, the response that we have makes, all, makes an eternal difference. The response that we have, whether we receive him, accept him and receive him and receive the love that he has for us, or whether we reject it and choose to go about our lives and be the Lord and the King over our own lives, makes all the difference in the world makes an eternal difference. And here's the reality is that love does not force itself on another. What true love does is that it selflessly leverages its own resources for the benefit of the other. And it's up to the other to respond to that love. And our Heavenly Father displays his love for us in his Son, Jesus Christ. In the Gospel of John, it talks about our Father in heaven revealing his glory through his Son, Jesus Christ, who was glorified as he hung on the cross, revealing the love of the Father. And our response to that love, our response to his love for us, makes all the difference in the world. And so we have these two gates, but God doesn't force us through the narrow one. He allows us to choose. And when our response is to humble ourselves and place ourselves under the authority, submit ourselves under the authority of Jesus Christ, and to live according to these things that we've been reading about and and talking about for the past few months, these kingdom principles, these kingdom ideals that Jesus has been sharing from Matthew chapters 5 through 7, I would just encourage you, if you're looking for somewhere to be reading in the Bible, man, like this could be a great month-long reading project where you just pick up Matthew chapters 5 through 7 and just read it on repeat over a period of time. Whether it's weeks or months, whatever you want to do, weeks or a month, whatever you want to do. Just pick it up and continue to read it and continue to, to mull it over in your life. And even better, invite somebody else to read it with you and have a conversation with them about it. You know, if there's someone that you would like to connect with, if there's somebody that you would like to invite to explore what faith looks like, what life in the kingdom of God looks like, this is a great place to start. Jesus lays it all out there. So when we look at Jesus and we look at this, this, this picture that he paints, our response to that, our response to him and who he is, makes an eternal, eternal difference. And so we see this thing, this, this idea of the two gates. And we have this choice to make. And those choices aren't just an eternal choice. They have, they have consequences in the here and now. And what Jesus says is, look, when you go through the, the wide gate, It's the easy way, but it leads to destruction. When you go through the narrow gate, the way is hard, but it leads to life. It leads to the life that you were created to live. 
the abundant life, the overflowing life that you were created to live. And, you know, some of those things can work out in the here and the now in, in a lot of different ways. It can be uh, something as, as simple as, as, I mean, thinking back to college, like that example I was just sharing with you at the very beginning of that class. It was going to be tremendously difficult. It required a bunch of studying every day, Monday through Friday. And even probably on the weekends, I should have been studying for it, but I probably wasn't. But I remember... You know, you're in college, so your friends are going out and doing stuff that you want to go hang out. Um, You want to go and and have a good time. You don't want to be stuck just studying all the time when when they're done with their work and they're able to go and move on and do fun stuff. So I remember it was like this constant battle of like, what choice do I want to make here? And if I kind of apply that to this situation, it's like, man, yeah, when I made the choice to go and hang out and not study, you know, that was the easy way for me, right? It was, it was easier for me to make that decision, which I think would be easier for pretty much everybody to make that decision, but maybe not for you, I don't know. But it was much easier for me to make that decision, and the way it was easy, um, it was super fun because I was hanging out with my friends, or we were playing basketball, or we were going out to eat, or we were doing something. And, um, and uh, yeah, it led to the destruction of my grades, right? <laughs> It led to the, to, the, to the destruction of my grades in that class because I wasn't studying as much as I should have necessarily when I made those choices. But, you know, it doesn't just have to be a college class. It could be um, something weightier, like when we mess up, when we make a mistake or we do something knowingly that, that, that we shouldn't have done. And all of a sudden we realize that, that we've been found out, we've been caught, we've been put on the spot, and our, our first inclination is to shift the blame somewhere else, right? And no matter what relationship it is, our, our, the, the easy way, the, the way that is, the gate that's wide and the way that is easy is to say, oh, that wasn't my fault, that was his fault or her fault. And I think, you know, if we grow up with siblings, we, we become pretty professional at this skill, Right? We get lots of practice the whole time we're growing up, shifting blame over to our other siblings. And that, that kind of just transfers wherever we're at. You know, if, if we're in school, uh, shifting blame to other people. You know, whether it's something that went wrong in class or a bad behavior, or whether it's getting bad grades. Well, if my, if my teacher wasn't such a bad teacher, then I wouldn't have these grades. It's like, really? Really? Uh, the fact that you played Xbox or uh, playing computer games or uh, on whatever you were doing <laughs> didn't have anything to do with that. When we don't take responsibility and we shift blame to other people in whatever situation it is in our lives, whether it's brothers and sisters, whether it's in school, whether it's at work, whether it's within our marriages or our families or our friend networks, whatever it is, when we shift blame, the easy way out, from the immediate pressure that we're feeling, it leads to the destruction of those relationships. And we have to come in behind and pick up the pieces of a broken mess that we've created. We've all experienced those messes and we've all experienced those broken moments. Jesus says, man, yeah, the way is easy the gate is wide and the way is easy. It's toward destruction. 
He says, but the, but the gate is narrow and the way is hard towards life. When we take responsibility, when we, when we take ownership for what we've done and we face up to what we've done, it's hard to do. But it leads to life. As Jesus says again in the Gospel of John, he says, he says, the truth will set you free. The truth sets us free. When we live in the truth, when we live in the light, it sets us free. So we make choices every single day that lead us through a gate, down a way, and toward a destination. And the gate that Jesus talks about, he talks about those wide and the narrow gates. He talks about the, the easy and the hard ways. And he talks about the, the, the destinations of destruction and he talks about the destination of life. And what he's inviting us into is to walk through the narrow way. And again, if you want to see what the narrow way looks like, just go back and read chapters 5, 6, and up to this point. And he's laid it all out there for us. And ask yourself, is this the easy way to live or is this the harder way to live? And be honest with yourself. We've got we to be honest with ourselves. And he presents that to us. And he says, look, this is the way that leads to life. That's what I'm telling you. And my warning for you is, is that what Jesus says to us, is my, his warning for us is that, look, it's easy to go down, go through the wide gate, go down the easy way, and end up in destruction. But when we choose to humble ourselves and submit our lives under his authority and under his rule, and live according to his kingdom. It is a harder way, but it leads to the abundant life that we we're created to live. You know, over this past couple months, we've had another awesome opportunity to partner with uh, Reverend Warren and his wife, Adama Forna, over in Sierra Leone in West Africa. And this couple are just this amazing couple who live their lives like unlike just anyone I've ever met in my life. They are fully committed to leveraging everything they have for the benefit of the people around them. They are fully committed to selflessly leveraging everything they have for the benefit of the people around them. If there was ever someone who, who exemplifies this process of, of, of going through the narrow gate of humbling themselves, saying yes to Jesus... And, and going through the narrow gate, walking down the hard way, and walking down the path that leads to life. They are it. I mean, man, when we were, Megan, my wife Megan and I had the opportunity to be in Sierra Leone with them, uh, coming up on two years ago now. can't believe it's been that long. We got to be there with them, and it was this amazing experience. And one of the stories that Warren was telling us was about how he had come to America um, and he had come to the U.S. and he came, he did seminary up in Seattle. And so I think he, I believe he's been here a couple of times. And one of the times he was here, he was talking to some people and they were like, why don't you just stay? Life is so much better here. We could get you a good job. Like we could get you all set up and life would be so much easier. And Warren just said, no, like, God has called me to the Sierra Leonean people. He has this deep, abiding conviction 
and love, a conviction for fulfilling his calling and love for his people. That he lives out every single day. You know, he didn't, he, he doesn't walk the easy road. It's difficult, it is hard. But it leads to life. And you wouldn't believe the number of people that they have an impact on. In fact, um, there's a couple pictures in, in over this uh, over this past couple of months, we've been raising money. And we're doing our Christmas giving project. And through the generosity of the people of Cold Springs Church, we were just able to send over $30,000 over to support uh, Adama's school, uh, the Vulnerable uh, Vocational Skills Academy for at-risk women, vulnerable women. And um, the thing that they're adding on is this formal education program where they're bringing high school-age girls into the program and giving them formal education as well as exposing them and exposing them to the gospel and sharing the love of Christ with them. And it's amazing because the, the stuff that we're able to raise is going to support up to 200 girls being able to come in for a formal education program, which if they complete it, their likelihood of living their lives in poverty shrinks drastically. So it's this amazing thing that we, we get to partner with them in, in just a, the, the small way of, of, of raising money and being able to send money over to them. And Warren shared this story with me recently. And here, I just wanted to share it with you. A story from the school. And man, it's just amazing. He says, he titles it, The Gospel in African Attire. He says, Africans are very much proud of their culture and traditions. One of such is the dress code. Preaching and teaching in African dialect and also dressed in an African way attracts many people to the gospel and especially the Muslims. The Skills Vocational Training School is much more focused towards this venture. Apart from various Western designs taught in the schools, African designs attract many people. It further gives credence to the school as a Sierra Leonean school. Girls and women in training are getting a ton um, of exposure in the, to this production. They're getting to do a ton of this production. Most of them have sales going out and thereby earning them income to take care of their daily needs. The pictures attached show two happy young pastors in training from the rural areas of Sierra Leone. Their wives enrolled about a year ago into the program, and they previously, the wives were not educated. They were very timid when they enrolled in the program. But with hard work, determination, and courage, they have excelled. They can now do many designs, including the very designs on their husbands, which is the picture you see there on the screen. He says, their wives did it. The dress code is very much helping them in their ministry work. And also, uh, also some of the income is realized in the home after the sale of products. Both of the pastors, he says, they both said, we do not regret enrolling our wives into this training school. We have a bright ministry ahead with the support of our wives. Warren says, this brings us fulfillment as owners of the school, especially my wife, who has a strong dream and passion for Sierra Leonean vulnerable girls. Thanks so much for all your prayers and concern. We need more of it as we do for you. Wow. 
What an amazing story of impact that we can have as we, uh, man, as we pray for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done, not only here in Placerville, not only here in El Dorado County in Northern California, in our region of the world, but also all the way around the globe on the other side of the world in Sierra Leone, West Africa. We get to partner with people who are seeing the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven there. Who are, who are walking through the narrow gate, going the hard way, and just seeing life flourish and life spring forth. And man, we partner with so many great mission partners all over the world, both locally, nationally, and internationally. We partner with people who are, are, are doing things like this all over the world. And when, when, when we're generous towards the mission of Cold Springs Church, it supports people like that. It goes out all, again, in our community, in our region, and around the world to support people who are seeing the kingdom come and who are working to bring life and hope into their communities. What a blessing. And Warren and Adama and their faithfulness is such a great example of what it looks like to respond to who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Because as desperate as, as hopeless of a situation as it looks like to be someone who's in poverty in Sierra Leone, we are even more desperate in our time of need. In our state, that Jesus entered into this world and he laid himself down for us, is that we are dead in our transgressions. And apart from him, we cannot find life. Apart from him, there is no life. So how we respond to Jesus makes an eternal difference for us, but it also makes an immediate difference in the lives of the people around us here and now. So my question for us today as we wrap up is this, man, what, what, what is your next step and what it, what it looks like for you to respond to Jesus and who he is and what he's done in your life. What does it look like for you? As we've gone through this series, we've looked at these four steps of surrender, follow, listen, and do. And the first one is this, is surrender. What we got to do, we got to know that we, we can surrender to Jesus' authority. So the first step is going through the narrow gate, is bowing ourselves down, recognizing that when we live under our own authority, that the end is destruction and the end is death. But when we submit ourselves to the authority of Jesus Christ and we live under his reign, that it leads us down and maybe a hard path, but man, it brings us life. And it brings life into the world around us. So our first step is simply to say yes to Jesus. To take that first initial step of faith. As we do that, we start to follow his example of laying himself down for us. Jesus, who leveraged everything he had for, selflessly leveraged everything he had for our benefit, we get to follow his example. And as he's been spelling out over these past couple chapters, we get to selflessly leverage everything we have for the benefit of the people around us. And we do that, and as we do that, we get to listen. We get to listen to the voice and the prompting of the Holy Spirit. We get to listen and hear the conviction of the Holy Spirit when there's areas of our lives that we're, 
we're holding on to, that we are reigning over. That we're saying, no, God, my will be done, not your will. We get to listen to the Holy Spirit and hear the conviction and hear uh, the prompting when he puts people on our mind. That he's, he's bringing to mind for a reason. Pastor David's always talking about this. He says, listen, when somebody comes to mind, it's the Holy Spirit nudging you. So reach out. Reach out. Connect with them. Let them know that you're praying for them. Ask them how you can be praying for them. Say, hey, you know, I was just thinking about you. Is there anything I can be praying for you about? Or just reach out. Hey, I, I was just thinking about you. I just want to know how things were going. Something simple. And as the Holy Spirit prompts us, we have to step into doing the hard things. We have to step into living. It's not the easy path. It's not the path of least resistance, but it's the path that leads to life. As the Holy Spirit prompts us and we step into that path, as we walk down the harder path, the harder way, we will see life just emerging all around us. As we bring the hope and the love of Jesus into every environment and every circumstance that we find ourselves in. The beautiful thing is this, my friends. The thing that we have to remember is that we are not alone in this journey. It's that Jesus promised to us is that he will always be with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And he gives us his spirit, his personal presence to live in us and be with us, to guide us as we go. We are never alone as we take this journey that leads to life. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your example of what it looks like to walk down the hard road. Lord, I pray that, oh God, that you would, you would just continue to reveal to me the places that, that I am saying, no, God, my will be done. My, I want this to be under my authority. And God, give me the courage and the strength to root those things out. God, would you continue to help us as a people to, to, to continue to place ourselves under your authority, to live under your reign, to live into the picture that you painted for us in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. Lord, and as we do that, as we live and lead out the overflow of a life that trusts in you, Lord, I pray that your love, your presence, your grace would just be pouring out of us, through us, into the world around us. The people, when they encounter us, that they would encounter you. I thank you that you are always with us. You don't leave us to do this on our own. We just pray you would continue to use us and you would continue to, to, to work in and through us here in this community and all around the world. I pray these things in your name. Amen.